This is the TriDot Podcast. TriDot uses your training data and genetic profile combined with predictive analytics and artificial intelligence to optimize your training, giving you better results in less time with fewer injuries. Our podcast is here to educate, inspire, and entertain. We'll talk all things triathlon with expert coaches and special guests. Join the conversation and let's improve together. Together. Welcome to the TriDot Podcast. Pretty cool conversation planned for you today as we'll be covering the difference between stamina and endurance and all of the implications that go along with that for our triathlon training. Now, episode 10 of the podcast was called Escaping the Power Stamina Paradox, and it is still one of our most popular episodes ever. And just like that episode taught us about developing power versus developing stamina in our training, today's episode will help us distinguish between building out our stamina versus building out our endurance. So buckle up and get ready to learn a thing or two or three. Joining us for this conversation is Coach Jeff Rains. Jeff is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who is a Master's of Science in Exercise Physiology and was a D1 collegiate runner. He has over 45 Ironman event finishes to his credit and has coached hundreds of athletes to the Ironman finish line. Jeff Rains, how's it going today? Oh man, this is such a great topic today, and especially since the Power Stamina Paradox episode had such a great response. I think this one will be uh, very similar in its impact. Next up is Coach John Mayfield. John is a USAT Level 2 and Ironman U certified coach who leads Tridots Athlete Services, Ambassador, and Coaching Programs. He has coached hundreds of athletes, ranging from first-timers to Kona qualifiers and professional triathletes. John has been using TriDot since 2010 and coaching with TriDot since 2012. Hey there, John. Hey, fellas. Yeah, I think we might uh, raise a couple eyebrows with this episode and and maybe challenge some status quo, challenge some thinking, and uh, always fun to do that. Well, I'm Andrew, the average triathlete, voice of the people, and captain of the middle of the pack. As always, we will roll through our warm-up question, settle in for our main set conversation, and then wind things down with the cool down. Lots of good stuff. Let's get to it. Time to warm up. Let's get moving. A special thing about triathletes sharing the race course is that even though we are technically competing against one another, you will often find moments of generosity and camaraderie mid-race. I've seen age groupers stop to encourage other age groupers, and I've seen pros share resources to help out another pro they are actively trying to beat. So guys, in all of your race day experiences, what is perhaps the nicest thing someone has done for you on the race course? And I'll give a really quick shout out. I actually stole this question from triathlon magazine uh, or triathlete magazine rather they posted this to their facebook page and i was like hey that's a good question let's see what our listeners have to say and let's see what our coaches have to say so jeff rains what do you have to say on this one uh, my kind of story i guess I, this kind of relates um but one of my greatest experiences in in the sport of triathlon was was my first full iron man and doing it side by side hip to hip with my wife um, that was just the coolest thing. It was actually a point where I was hurting and she could have left me and, and, and finished, but she, she, she stayed with me. Uh, and, and, and we walked jogged together there to that finish line. Um, so that was just really cool. But I'd have to say that volunteers, they save the day for many athletes, you know, and, and the nicest thing, you know, it was really just what the volunteers do for you. Um, 
you know, I have a, a, a really funny story. I, I was, I was doing red man, um, in Oklahoma. Uh, it's, it's notorious hundred degrees every year. And, um, I was out there, I was in a, it's in a bad place on the run, maybe mile 20 or so. And this was years and years ago, kind of when base salt before it was a thing, <laughs> um, they were, they were just hitting the market and they were out on the course and, and, you know, the little shaker tubes, uh, Andrew, where, where maybe you shake it and just take a few licks. And that's kind of like a full serving, just a few little licks. Um, well, yeah. I didn't, mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Um, and, and, and I was hurting, I, I, I was, I was cramping and I took that shaker and I took the whole shot. I took the whole entire, no, stop <laughs> it. <shot too. laughs> yeah. I yeah, mean, I mean and, you basically ate straight pink Himalayan sea salt right there. I did I, the whole thing. And, and you know, that thing might last a whole season for somebody. And, and I took it yeah. all in two <laughs> seconds. Um, but whatever that volunteer gave me, actually, believe it or not, that saved my race. Um, and, and, and they saved me. John Mayfield, what is the nicest thing someone has done for you while out on the race course? Uh, so, so yeah, I was going to say along the same, same lines that, uh, that by far the nicest things, um, little things in every race with, with the athletes out there, but, uh, what those volunteers in the Ironman change tents are willing to uh, endure is is second to none. Um, maybe maybe like medical staff, um, but man, they put up with some stuff. I, I've I've worked in those tents myself. I've told some stories on the podcast before about uh, working T two, which is like a six hour shift out in the heat. Um, and man, there's some stinky, nasty stuff going on in those tents. But, um, you know, it's, it's necessary to, to have a successful day at Ironman. So, so thank God for those folks. And they're, uh, man, they've just, they're, they're there. They're willing to help. They're willing to, to get in there and, and uh, get, get all up in some nasty business. But, uh, yeah, so those guys, and, and I will say the vast majority of them are fellow athletes um, who, who know what um, the athletes are going through, what they're experiencing. Yeah. They know the value of having that person there. They know the value of, of the, the the suggestions and even the, the helping unpack the bags and do you want this? Are you taking that? And then helping the, the bags get repacked so the athlete can focus on getting in and out of transition as quickly as possible. Um, that's just solid gold. So uh, props to everybody who's uh, helping out in those Ironman change tents. Yeah. My story was not a volunteer. Uh, you know, both of you guys have had a lot of experience with volunteers helping you out and, and uh, all of us have had volunteers help us out. I had a race it was a local sprint um, in Denton, Texas, so just north of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. Um, it was called the Denton Waterworks Try, and it's called that because it's it's held at a you know kind of small water theme park, and and you can choose to start your race. You can either go down this big slide uh, that drops you off into the pool and then start your swim, or you can just jump into the pool and start your swim. But it's so it's kind of themed around this water park. Um, and, and the bike course is just an out and back on this really, who who doesn't go down the slide? Like, I know, right. Is it really, is it really even like a question? Like how, how do you not just go down the slide? (laughs) Like that's, that's why I signed up for that race. Cause you see that and you're like, ah, cool. That's different. Uh, but anyway, so I'm out on the bike course and the the day before this particular, uh, day, it it just rained, it stormed. And so there was just all sorts of debris and, and stuff out on this you know, country, rural Texas road. And so people were flattened left and right, just hitting sticks, hitting rocks, hitting glass, I'm sure. Um, and, and I, I flatted once, uh, about seven miles out. It's about the halfway point of the bike. And, and I, ch- I had my flat tire repair kit. I, I changed the tube. I pumped it up, um, you know, with the CO2 cartridge and off I went and, you know, about three or four miles later, I flat again. And so at this point I, I don't have another, 
another tube. I don't have any other CO2 cartridges. So I'm just walking with my bike, cycling shoes on, walking down the road with my bike, just like, well, this is the only way I can get back. And another cyclist who was out that day, um, not, not even in the race, just, just a road cyclist who was out on the same road, uh, biking. Um, he, he came across me, he stopped, uh, gave me a tube, gave me, uh, some, some assistance and he, he could tell I was, I was frazzled. I was frustrated. So he, he helped me change my tire. He, um, took it. He, he didn't have CO2 cartridges. He had a hand pump. And so he, you know, used his hand pump. He, he didn't even let me use it. Like he just jumped in and just started pumping up, uh, my, my tire for me. And, and that, that guy, total stranger, I have no idea who he is, no idea who he was. Uh, but he took, you know, 10 minutes out of his own ride, uh, to make sure this, this triathlete on the side of the road, uh, in the middle of a sprint triathlon could, could finish the bike split. And I had a, a, a terrible, a terrible bike split, obviously, but, um, Hey, I finished, I got that medal and without his help, uh, that would not have been the case. So thanks to that guy for stopping and, uh, using his own flat tire kit to, to help keep me rolling. So, Hey guys, we're going to throw this out to you, our listeners. I, I know some of y'all are going to have some great stories, uh, some really just encouraging stories, uh, just about, a time that somebody stepped in and helped you out while you're on the race course. Maybe it was another athlete. Maybe it was a volunteer. Maybe it was a total stranger uh, like it was for me, but we want to hear from you. So make sure you are a part of the I am trot out Facebook group. We post our warm up questions every single Monday to the group and get some great responses. So go find this post and let us know what was the nicest thing somebody has done for you while you were racing. On to the main set going in three, two, one. The whole team here at TriDot has been learning from Oxford University professor Kieran Clark, founder and CEO of T-Delta-S Global, about the performance and health benefits of drinking the revolutionary Oxford ketone ester called Delta-G. Professor Clark led the effort to develop Delta-G, which is now available in three strengths, 10 grams for health, 25 grams for performance, and 32 grams of raw ester to go that extra mile. Delta-G is a powerful fuel source that augments physical performance, sharpens mental acuity, and supports your metabolic health. I've had success using Delta-G for a boost going into an FTP test. I've had success using Delta-G for Ironman prep stamina sessions. And most importantly, Delta-G helped get me to the finish line of my first Ironman in Waco. I'm excited to continue using Delta-G in my training and racing. So head to DeltaGKetones.com and try Delta-G for yourself. At DeltaGKetones.com, they even offer free 15-minute one-on-one consultations where you can learn more, ask questions, and have those questions answered. So again, that's DeltaGKetones.com and use the code TRYDOT20 to get 20% off your super fuel Delta G ketone drinks. On the surface, the terms stamina and endurance seem to be super, super similar. Both words paint a mental picture of an athlete doing an activity for a long, extended period of time. And it's this surface-level view of each term that leads many athletes astray in their approach to triathlon training. If you, like me, have never considered the difference between endurance and stamina and have always just considered yourself an endurance athlete, well, buckle up because John and Jeff are about to give a heavy dose of perspective in our main set today. So guys, let's get right to the heart of the conversation today. I think everyone has read between the lines enough to know that there is a difference between endurance and stamina. So let's talk about each one. John, define endurance for us. So endurance is the ability to do something for a long period of time. So uh, it would make sense that triathlon would be known as an endurance sport. 
um, because we do go for for a long time. Uh, even a sprint race, uh, generally more than an hour. Olympic distance, definitely more than an hour. And then you get into uh, the long course, seventy point three full Ironman and beyond. Those are those are definitely multi-hour events. But I, I would argue that um, endurance is is not the best way to to describe those. Um, but um, where we get into some real uh, endurance events would be more like ultra marathons, extreme triathlons, uh, mountain climbing. So something like climbing Everest is, is certainly uh, a feat of, of endurance. Um, so, so endurance is a lower intensity. Uh, it's, it's kind of accessing that diesel engine that uh, goes kind of uh, low RPM all day long. Uh, it's very aerobic by nature. So it's a low intensity, it's low heart rate, um, it's a slower pace so that you can go for for very long um, periods of time. And that's really where the differentiation is between uh, an endurance event and a stamina event. Yeah, I would even say that uh, triathlon is is known as, let's say Ironman, a 17-hour time limit is, is such a long day that, that triathlon is endurance. But uh, I would even argue that uh, triathlon almost kind of should be called stamina events instead of endurance events. Interesting, yeah. Interesting mindset there. Let's dive deeper into that, right? So, Jeff, let's talk about stamina. That that's the other term that we hear, you know, and, and we hear and we associate that mentally with going far and going long. You know, it takes stamina to do that. Um, so, what is stamina, and how is it different from endurance? So, yeah, kind of a small twist on what what, what John was explaining as endurance. Uh, here's kind of just to start off a good example to simplify things. Let's say someone has. Uh, has to do one push-up per second. That's stamina. Yeah, it's 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 stamina that will dictate how long you could perform the push-ups at a certain rate. However, if someone just wants to see how many push-ups they can do, regardless of rate and time, then that muscular endurance will be the determining you know factor there. So so these two terms are often mistakenly used. And, and, and understood. So both of these concepts are kind of dealing with a parameter of time. So stamina as, as kind of a definition um, is, and I, later on, I'm going to uh, dive into a really cool definition of stamina that I found in another question. Um, but just a general, uh, you know, it's, it's the time and activity can be performed at maximum capacity. While endurance is the maximum time a physical activity can be performed, so the goal is to maximize time. So, so, the, so the main difference between the two um, are, are differentiated as parameters of time, but also the amount of force being exerted. So like triathlon, for example, has cutoffs. There, there's qualification standards, uh, age group awards. Maybe you just want to beat a personal best. So there's an incentive to capitalize on being as fast as possible in each discipline, right? We have to be out of the water in two hours and 20 minutes, right, for an Ironman. Yeah. Um, and so so there's it, it's not just swimming 2.4 miles. Um, it's swimming 2.4 miles in a given amount of time. Uh, the slowest allowed being 220. And so because you have to hold a certain pace inside of that, uh, that's where that stamina aspect uh, com comes in. Um, so um, the incentive there is being as fast as possible, right? That's that stamina, but also to be able to complete the total distances. Endurance, yes, but with the goal uh, is, is, is both stamina and, and endurance, kind of talking to, to, to together a little bit. Yeah, that's very interesting. So if I was going out of the front door on my bike, you know, to ride a hundred miles, 
you know, I, I would have a certain time I wanted to finish in. I, I would be trying to hold a certain pace and, and that would be a stamina endeavor. Whereas if I was going out the front door and I was planning on riding 400 miles, well, I would just be going at whatever pace I had to hold on to in order to endure through the whole thing. So that's, that's a very uh, kind of interesting way to look at it there, Jeff. Um, so for half distance or full distance triathlons, you know, the, the races that triathlon athletes associate with needing stamina and or endurance, which do we need to develop more? Do, do we need more of one or the other, or does this change according to how long we're going to be out on the course? So it, it will vary that that endurance stamina line is going to be different for for everyone. But the vast, vast majority of athletes that are competing in triathlon um, really are doing uh, these events with a stamina focus. Uh, we want to race as quickly as possible. Um, as a rule, uh, we want to go out there and place as as high as we can within our age group, within the overall results, we want to set PRs. We want to beat the times that we did before. So in doing so, we were really racing. We're really pushing. We're doing um, these, these races at, at a intensity that is high as, as, as possible um, for us. So that's why we would argue that Ironman in a shorter distance is a stamina event. It's not an endurance event. Um, again, because you have that focus to go out there and, and it's a push. Um, even, even an Ironman, you're still out there pushing and, and really digging. Uh, a lot of it is executed at zone three or higher. Um, whereas you know, in an endurance event uh, that is going to require more of that zone one zone two. So, um, it's really not about how long you can go. That's not how we, we compete in triathlon. It's not to see who can swim, bike and run the furthest. It's who can swim, bike and run a certain distance, the fastest. And that's, yeah. that's how we gauge our success. That's how, um, that's what we aim for is, is a time-based, not a, a distance-based. And that kind of gets what gets into what Jeff was saying is that, that we're time-based. Yeah. So John, even for an athlete who is going out to do an Ironman and they're just trying to make the cutoff times and that is their goal for the day, they're going to slide in just under all three cutoff times. They're going to finish, you know, right, right at midnight, you know, e even that they are pushing for a certain time and needing to hold a certain pace and, and they're, they're striving for those paces as opposed to just trying to endure through the day. Um, so, so even a back of the packer in a Ironman is still a stamina athlete and not an endurance athlete. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's even what differentiates what we do. Uh, and I think that's the, uh, the greatness of those time cutoffs is it, it, it prevents it from becoming an endurance event. Gotcha. Um, there's a story from, I don't know if it was the first, uh, Ironman Hawaii or, or one of the first, this was before there were cutoffs and there was someone who actually finished in more than 24 hours. So I would say in that case, that Ironman was not a stamina event. That was an endurance <laughs> event. Um, because he's the, the only the one I took, yeah, he, he or yeah. she, yeah. <laughs> um, he, he took more than 24 hours to finish and, and yeah, like you can imagine he was going really slow, uh, to, to, to take that now as hard as, as Ironman is to have 24 hours to do it. Uh, you know, I can only imagine what those, those paces were, but they were, they were low. If it takes you 24 hours to do an Ironman, those paces are, are low. They're going to be zone one. That's going to be a low heart rate. But, but again, that's not what we're, that's not what we're in for. So, uh, again, it's not about how, how far you can go. It's, it's, um, and it's, 
it's it's more about how high your threshold number is and how long you can hold that. So that's gotcha. really what we're looking to do here is, and this kind of gets into that power stamina paradox, and this is where we're really kind of fleshing it out, is we want to develop those thresholds and then we want to have the stamina so that we can can maintain a high percentage of that threshold. So that's that's really the difference here is that that threshold is what it is. Um, but in stamina, we're looking to to maintain a high percentage of that threshold for a long period of time. That's our, our that's how we race. Um, now, endurance would be maintaining a much lower percentage. That that threshold is going to be the same. But in an endurance event, you would be maintaining a much lower percentage of that threshold. So uh, you could argue even a distinguishing factor would be what percentage of your threshold are you maintaining in it. So um, for that, that stamina event, it's going to be a much higher percentage. For an endurance event, it's going to be a lower percentage. And even then within the triathlon ranks, um, you know, obviously you are maintaining a much higher percentage of your threshold in a sprint race than you are at an Ironman. But, but regardless, you're still maintaining um, a high percentage. So that's where we say, don't be an endurance athlete, be a stamina athlete. And that's really where we're going to focus ah, on, like that. on building that. So, um, you know, we think about the, the pros out there, whether they're, uh, professionals of 70.3 Ironman marathon, um, nothing they do is, is endurance. Uh, their sprint pace is not far off from their Ironman pace. Um, those professional uh, marathoners that are running low two-hour marathons, they, they're, you, you can look at it, you can tell, they are running very hard. They are running very fast. It almost looks like a sprint. So they are maintaining a very high percentage of their threshold. They don't care about running 26.3 miles. They're going to do whatever they can to get to 26.2 as fast as possible uh, because they are stamina athletes, not endurance athletes. Yeah. And, and so are we, you know, we are stamina athletes and not endurance athletes. I mean, for them, it's a two-hour marathon. And, and for us, it might be a, a 3.30 or a 4 or a 5 or, or, or a 6-hour marathon. But it, it's still uh, trying to push a percentage of your threshold for uh, to, to finish the, the duration of that race. Um, and, and so that's that's very interesting. And, and it really, John, it kind of it kind of ruins a lot of things in our sport uh, to, to change that mindset because there are triathlon clubs out there uh, that have the word endurance in their title. There are coaches that have the word endurance in their kind of coaching group name. Um, they, there are podcasts that have endurance in the name of their podcast. And uh, there, there are some folks in our audience who do endurance events. They, they do the 100-mile running races and they do the Ultraman-style uh, stuff. Uh, but for the rest of us, uh, we're really not endurance athletes. We're actually stamina athletes. And that that takes a serious reprogramming of all of our brains uh, after just years and years and years, decades of kind of considering ourselves endurance athletes, right? So maybe we should retitle the podcast, the Tridot Stamina Podcast. And uh... Well, th thankfully, we are the Tridot Triathlon Podcast and not the tri Tridot Endurance Podcast. So we we saved ourselves there, John. We saved ourselves. So um, Jeff, Jeff, I want to hear from you because you're you're a very competitive amateur you know, who often is in the hunt for age group awards, um, you can hold a much higher percentage of your threshold um, than I can. Um, what does your training look like in relation to building your power, stamina, and endurance kind of throughout the season? Oh, man, you know, um, you know, thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, you know, junk miles are, are never a goal of mine, but, you know, you, you kind of spelled it out, power, stamina, and endurance. Um, in, in, in your kind of question there. And we have those podcast episodes 10 and then the revisit 70, uh, which differentiates the power stamina paradox, 
right? But but inside of the stamina piece is what kind of we're talking about today, endurance versus stamina. Um, and so this is kind of another layer of that onion we're peeling back. Um, and, and, and kind of already know at this point in the episode that that stamina is kind of the focus. It's it's kind of that step up. Um, you know, maybe it's, it's, you know, a little bit more hardcore, so to speak, than endurance. Um, well, that that's arguable because doing a hundred mile race is, is super hardcore. Um, so, so I'm not, I'm not saying that that is uh, downplayed at all, but, but now we, yeah. we kind of know as far as triathlon is concerned, um, you know, that stamina piece is kind of what we're focusing on. Um, and so I would argue like to, to, to be able to hold higher percentages of your threshold, you know, maybe for longer, um, maybe build upon years before. And, and I've gotten this question a lot. It's, it's, it's kind of off season. It's the end of the year. You know, uh, a lot of people are back in that developmental phase. Um, and so if you want to hold higher percentages of your threshold for longer duration, increase that stamina. Well, first you have to spend that time building up your power, your strength. And that's that first half of that developmental portion uh, of TriDot. The, the first half of your season is, is that power, that long tent pole that we talk about in episode 10. Um, and so the longer that tent pole is, the higher the threshold is, then the higher the percentage you can hold later on. And so that power piece is super important to the power stamina paradox. But then kind of diving a little bit deeper, how do you increase that threshold so you can have better stamina later on. Uh, and, and, and that for me um, really is spending more months this year in developmental than I did last year. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to race less, but don't be afraid to put a race in your TriDot calendar in as a C race. Um, you know, a lot of people put, put every race, you know, one big one in the spring or a marathon in the winter, you know, and then their summer race as an A race and their big fall race as an A race. And they're staying, um, you know, in that race prep stamina phase all year long, uh, 10 months out of the, the maybe the last 12 months, um, you know, for, for a lot of new athletes that I see. Um, and, and maybe they just don't understand this aspect, but um, spending more months in that precious developmental before um, you go into that stamina phase uh, is how you can increase that long tent pole year to year and how you can be able to hold higher percentages of that threshold. So kind of lastly, uh, sorry to drag this out, but like think of it as like th there's been tons of studies, you know, why why pros are are better than age group athletes. And, and they're just able to to hold that that uncomfortableness for longer, right? That's, that's called TTE or time to exhaustion. Um, and just being able to hold that, that grit, that pain. I mean, I think we all know Lionel Sanders is kind of the master of it right now. Um, he bikes so hard until he cries. Right. Um, and so, um, I, I think that stamina is also training that mental aspect as well as the physical ability. I think that is a great distinguishment that there truly is a mental aspect to it because there is a certain amount of what we refer to as pain um, in the intensities that we hold while racing, whether it's sprint race or Ironman or anything in between, which a lot of that, as you mentioned, is dialing in that mental ability to do so. That's one of the reasons why our monthly assessments are so important is it's teaching and reinforcing that as a skill. And, and I would say and, and even argue an endurance event has, has a different 
type of, of pain. You're out there for hours and hours and hours doing incredible distances and that sort of thing. Um, so your body breaks down in a different way. Um, so as opposed to pushing the intensity and how high and how hard you're pushing, it's how long. So we get kind of, again, that, that time aspect of it. Whereas, you know, you're climbing Everest by the time you get to the top, your body is, is severely depleted, but it's depleted in a different way than you're pushing hard and, and going red line for your sprint race. So that's, that's a great distinguishment there. I know a lot of us enjoy following the pros on social media and on YouTube, and we see all these training hours they're doing, and it can make it seem like more is better. Uh, they do more, and they're better than me, so I should do more like them to get faster. Why is this the wrong approach for a majority of triathletes? It's an easy trap to fall into because if, if some is good, more is better. Is is so much of a, a logic that we follow in, in so many things. Um, but it's really not necessarily the case um, here. So uh, it, it kind of gets into stamina and endurance. But um, especially, particularly with the pros, oftentimes we see uh, training in, in terms of, of hours or miles or something like that. We don't really see the mix of what makes up those hours and what makes up those miles. So um, it, it is important, as we know, to to train um, not just those those aerobic um, abilities, the aerobic systems, uh, but we also want to train the anaerobic systems as well. So we want a good proper mix of zone two, three, four, five, um, as, as Jeff mentioned earlier, really training, um, the entire body, uh, is necessary to, to maximize your performance. And the pros are doing that. Um, now they do, um, train at higher volumes than, than your average age grouper. But um, that additional zone two is is only added when the others are, are maxed out. So we have a finite capacity of how much we can train at zone two, uh, or excuse me, zone three, zone four, zone five. Um, we have a finite capacity of how much adaptation that we can can make. Now, zone two is, is almost um, unlimited. You know, you can go out and do easy zone two rides for, for hours and hours and hours on end. You can swim um, at a low intensity for hours and hours. You can run at an easy uh, intensity as, as much as your body can, can absorb those miles safely. Um, so that extra volume will produce uh, incremental gains, but those gains will be incremental. And that's, that's the important distinction. Um, so it's going to take a whole lot of time to get a little bit faster, um, which is worth it for those top tier uh, pros or top athletes, um, but likely not worth the extra hours for the majority of amateurs. One, we just don't have the time. Uh, and two, that additional time comes with additional risk and additional requirements. So um, the more training that we do, uh, your, your risk of injury increases exponentially. So especially for the older athletes, the heavier athletes, all those things uh, really make it that much more difficult to do that additional training and again, it's going to even marginalize those gains even more. Um, and something we don't always see is uh, the amount of time that the pros spend dedicated to things like strength work, mobility, stability, recovery. Um, they are taking care of their bodies in concert with all that training that is. And, you know, that doesn't always get quantified on, on Strava to where we see it. But um, there is a, a certain amount of, of required uh, effort and work that goes into supporting that training. And, and I will say that, uh, the pros as a rule do a much, much better job, um, than, <laughs> than me <laughs> and, and a lot of amateurs, yeah. amateurs like me. So, uh, if you are going to do that additional work, 
Uh, if you are chasing those incremental gains and doing so by, by doing those higher volume of training, you absolutely must uh, really prioritize all that extra stuff. And this includes things like um, great nutrition, plenty of sleep, stress reduction, all those things that are going to allow the body to make those incremental uh, gains through that additional training volume. And doing all of those things consistently. Um, and, and, you know, there, there's a new pro on the, on the circuit, right? He's been out there for two years now, but maybe he's been doing triathlon for 10 years and maybe eight years before that he was a, you know, a, a pro Olympian swimmer or something. Right. And so they're, they're, they're being consistent and working up to those volumes. Uh, and so just cause we see that pro, Hey, I want to be like him. Uh, we, we don't just add all of those hours per week and, and thinking that that's going to make us faster because that pro probably spent you know, 15, 20 years working up to that. Uh, and so whether you're trying to increase your endurance or your stamina, uh, I would argue they both take consistency to develop and to develop them well. So know your goal, how to train that aspect of your sport is key in seeing those, those improvements. So many of our listeners race short course exclusively. They do sprints, they do Olympics, they, they keep it to that. In sprints and Olympics, guys, like they are hard. Like I, I almost like forgot that training for an Ironman. You know, recently doing the the USAT remote uh, national championship. Uh, you know, the, the inaugural event for remote racing, uh, which was just so fun. Um, that was the first time I've put in an Olympic effort in a in, in years, and I my my legs were like freaking out. I'm on the bike, like holding zone four watts, and my legs are like, "What are we doing? Like, what is this?" Uh, it's just, it's, it's a different, it's a totally different thing from racing long course. And a lot of our athletes that they love that and they, they do sprints, they do Olympics and and that is their jam. Is this conversation between endurance and stamina and and is the distinguishment between those two really relevant for them and their training or for our short course racing and, you know, athletes do, do athletes need to even be developing either? So, so not really, um, as far as the endurance component of it goes, very, very, very few people, um, will not complete a sprint distance race or an Olympic distance race because they do not have the endurance to do so. Um, now there, there is a certain component of it, but those athletes that are training consistently, that are training with intentional purpose, that are looking to improve their performance, especially those that are racing sprint and Olympic distance race, it is all about power. Um, sprint and Olympic distance racing is pure power. Uh, you're, you're just going hard. Um, each segment is either the entire race in a, in the case of a sprint is, is sometimes under an hour. Um, most sprint races for, for most are 90 minutes or less. Um, and then same thing with an Olympic, the each leg, um, is, is give or take, um, an hour at, at most. So your swim, uh, for most is going to be under an hour, uh, bike and run kind of, kind of go back and forth on, on either side of that, that one hour mark, which really defines threshold. So, um, for, for most your, your sprint execution is going to be at or above your threshold power. Um, Olympic is at or just below, uh, your threshold. And and again, that's, that's racing with that certain amount of, of intensity. And one thing I've always told the athletes that, that I coach is, especially at the pointy end, if you're looking to, to, to place overall or, or place in your age group, oftentimes it comes down to who is willing to hurt the most. Uh, and that goes back to that, that point that, that Jeff made earlier, that there's certainly a mental aspect to, to racing, 
uh, with with stamina as opposed to endurance. So it's it's developing that ability not only to push physically, but having that ability to push mentally and, and really push to where you're you're uncomfortable. Um, and that's really what the key to to racing um, those short course races. So again, we look at those that do it really well. We look at um, the races in the the Olympics and your short course races. Those guys are going very very hard. They're they're very uncomfortable. Um, those guys collapse at the end, e- even more so than, than your 70.3 and Ironman athletes, simply because they're pushing so hard. They are maintaining such a high level of their threshold, um, that, that by the end, they're just, they're done. They've left it all out there on the course. Uh, and that's really what that is. So again, it, it's not endurance. It's not about simply, um, completing that distance for the vast, vast majority of those participants in the race. Um, not to say anything against those that are using it uh, as an opportunity just to to finish and, and to achieve something. That's great. Um, but again, for the vast majority of us that that are competing either against uh, other athletes or competing against ourselves, the focus really needs to be on maximizing power uh, so that we can complete that distance as quick as possible. Absolutely. And to do that, right, and, and to hold those higher percentages of your thresholds for longer, we have to stay engaged. We have to be intentional in that moment, in that race, to push that hard for that long and to kind of ride the cusp because we want every second out of that, you know, time split in that discipline, you know, we have to be present. We have to be super focused, you know, you know, Andrew, you know, you kind of alluded earlier, like, let's just say you, you woke up one morning, it's sun up and your goal is just to bike 112 miles, right? You can take breaks. You can stop at McDonald's, get a cheeseburger. You can get back on the bike. You can get, yeah, I can. <laughs> but if you want to finish top three in your age group off the bike and be in contention going into the marathon for a Kona slot, right? There's just that whole other level. And that's that, that stamina, right? That's what we have to do. And, and kind of what John was saying is that that mental aspect and staying focused, um, it's just a whole other level in those, even in those shorter disciplines, like, like you were saying also, like I would almost rather do a 70.3 than an Olympic because that Olympic is such a high percentage of your threshold. It just hurts. And you have to be engaged and, and, and accept that pain for, for so long um, that, that I'd almost rather just back off five or 10% and hold it for an extra few hours. Um, So, so hopefully, um, you know, if, if, if you have great stamina, you can produce more work at less physiological effort, which that's the goal of training in general and triathlon in particular, like as we want to finish, you know, higher and higher in our age groups um, and, and also have those time goals and cutoffs. So, so endurance alone will not produce those better results when you're comparing yourself to others in your age group. I just want to go on record, Jeff, after all of that great information you just said. Um, and I, I want our viewers to know if I'm ever going for a bike ride and I'm stopping for a fast food burger on that bike ride, that burger would not be from McDonald's. It would be from Five Guys Burgers and Fries. <laughs> that would be my fast food burger of choice, personally. Um, much superior to to the Wendy's and and Jack and Jack in the Box and and McDonald's ziz of the world. So I, I think we we also know Andrew enough to know that if he's out on a bike ride and he's pulling into McDonald's, uh, he is gone. There's like <laughs> we need to pull him off the road. It it is gone. Andrew is not okay. Uh, we need to pull him off and get him some help. So you guys have separated these two terms for us just wonderfully. Beautiful job. Kudos, claps, claps all around for both of you. Um, I, I understand the difference. I see the difference. When athletes or, or even coaches don't consider what energy systems we need to train for an upcoming event, they don't see the importance 
of stamina over endurance for most try scenarios. What mistakes get made in the training of those athletes? So it, it is common and, and it's, I, I get it. I understand it. I started off myself with it. It's again, it's, it's referred to as an endurance sport. It's longer than, uh, you know, when I first got into triathlon, it was longer than anything I'd ever done. So I wanted to go and log as many miles, um, as I could so that I could, could do it successfully Be yesterday uh, and, right? and largely in the, the early days of, of triathlon training, that was the logic. That's what, uh, the, the top uh, athletes did. They did incredible amounts of volume with the thoughts of, if I do more, I'm going to get better. I'm going to get faster. But, um, as we have, have advanced, um, in, in our training in both our, our understanding analysis of data and what data shows us, um, we, we have a different approach and we understand that in, in training, just one, um, system doesn't produce our best results. So again, that, that initial thought and what athletes uh, did as a rule uh, 20, 30 years ago, and, and to a certain extent, uh, often uh, many athletes still do, is is they they focus on that that aerobic system, uh, especially those that are racing long course. It's developing um, that cardiac efficiency, so you can go all day long. You go all day long at a low heart rate, um, but really, it's it's um, not you're living up to your full potential. It's not. Um, when we don't train the full athlete in all those systems and all those abilities, uh, it, it really produces lackluster results. And, and the athlete will never uh, realize their true potential if they're only training a, a particular portion of, of the systems, the anatomy, all those things that help us uh, on race day. If we, if we just train a, a select group of that or a portion of that, again, we're never going to produce um, – our, our best, our best results. So oftentimes this is where we get into to junk miles where it's again, like we talked about before, if some is good, more is better. Uh, if a few miles are good, I want to do a lot of miles. And this is where uh, the, the risk of injury uh, goes up. So it's, it's having a very specific intent of every session and knowing exactly what you should do. And as Jeff mentioned before, that's, that's really um, the power of, of TriDot is determining exactly uh, what, uh, amount of volume is is beneficial. What mix of of different training zones and training different systems is going to produce your best results, and then pairing that with the appropriate amount of of recovery. Um, so there are a lot of mistakes that that can be made, and and oftentimes um, that mistake is is really focusing on endurance and that that uh, low intensity part, whereas. Um, that's that's not really what's going to produce our best results. So, uh, you know, one thing I, I often say is you only need enough endurance to get to the finish line. Uh, whatever endurance you have beyond that is is really not uh, of any use. So uh, even an Ironman, you need to go 140.6 miles. You go 140.6 miles, you can collapse at the finish line. So it doesn't do you any good to be able to do 141 miles on race day uh, yeah. or, or beyond. So as long as you have the endurance necessary to reach the finish line, which again, the vast, vast majority of athletes do, even those that aren't making the cutoff aren't missing cutoff because they don't have the endurance to make the finish line. It's because they didn't have enough powers because they didn't have the pace. They didn't have the ability to maintain a high percentage of their threshold long enough to meet those cutoffs. It has nothing to do as a rule with having insufficient amount of endurance. It has to do with having insufficient, insufficient amount of stamina. Yeah. I think a lot of people just try to, to typically earlier in the sport, right? You're, you're one, two, three years into the sport. You're still figuring things out, but people want to beat yesterday. You know, I biked my longest ride yesterday was, was 20 miles and today I biked 30. So I'm getting better. Right. Um, maybe so you, 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 you know, you've, you've, 
you know, added some endurance there. Um, and then they work up to, to 112 miles, let's say. Um, and then they, once they've hit that, then they maybe focus on, uh, then trying to get faster at 112. And that's just, that's just wrong. It's, it's, and it takes sometimes years for people to understand that. And, you know, you, you, you have to develop the strength in your thresholds and, 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 early in the season. Right. And the grit and mental aspect of it all has to come with it, but it, it's, it's often ne- neglected the, the strength, uh, the power first is often neglected early in the season and it's underdeveloped. Um, and so I just want to throw out there that, that increasing your stamina, um, you know, it's, it's harder, it's grit, it, it's, it's zone four and above essentially on uh, zone three ish too, but it doing that, early in the season allows you to cope with stress and that discomfort while participating in a certain activity or workout. Right. And so developing the strength and thresholds, um, that, 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 that stamina, um, allows you to just really, really, uh, hit it hard, you know, the, um, back half of the season. Uh, and so when you're doing the longer sessions later on in the season, um, you're doing them faster and, and you don't even really know it. Um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And John, something that you just said, um, reminded me of a story of an athlete that we just met in Ironman, Arizona, which at the time we're recording this podcast, we were at Ironman, Arizona, just a few weeks back and saw a lot of tri daughters, uh, reach the Ironman finish line at that race. Uh, so congrats to them, but we, we were standing on the run course. We were cheering for athletes, uh, going by most athletes going by us were, um, on their second loop about to start their third. And we had a guy run by, he saw us wearing our tri dot stuff and, and, was like, Hey, try dot. And, and so I, I started jogging with him for, for a few minutes. And as I was jogging next to him and, and talking with him, he's an athlete who listens to the podcast, um, has not used try dot training, but he was joining the, the try dot preseason project. So by now he might be in the preseason product project and doing the training. Uh, but, but he'd heard the podcast and, and basically he signed up for Ironman Arizona. He did little to no training, uh, for Ironman Arizona. And, and sure enough, by golly, he was out there and he was on his way to completing Ironman Arizona. He finished that race with with little to no training because within him, just just as a as a decent athlete already, he had the endurance to finish 140.6 miles. But now plugging in the tri dot and doing the training, he's going to raise his thresholds. He's going to get his his thresholds better because he's going to build out his power, and then he's going to build out his stamina uh, to to hold a higher percentage of that threshold for the duration of his next Ironman. And, and we, we all know the story he, he's going to do, uh, hopefully so much better in, in his next Ironman. Yeah. That's, that's a great example of, of endurance for stamina. Cause as you mentioned, he, he had not particularly trained, so he was not, uh, racing at a high level of his threshold. He was probably not pushing, uh, real hard, but he did have the endurance to go and do that. But, but what we will see, and this is very common when, when athletes, uh, change their training approach. This is where we typically see athletes and, and regularly see athletes, especially at Ironman distance, shaving hours off of their, their finishing time. So like, like this guy, um, when, when he follows the, the trot out training, as you mentioned, he's going to improve all those things. His next race is going to be very different. And, and again, I can, I can very, very easily almost promise that he is going to shave hours off of that simply because the execution is changing and it's changing um, the, the the focus, the approach, the execution from a an endurance event to a stamina event. And he's he's changing himself from an endurance athlete into a stamina athlete, which we now know is what we are supposed to be striving for. So 
Uh, you John, stole my line. This. That's what I was going to say. So well done. <laughs> <laughs> so, so guys, tell me this. How does differentiating between endurance and stamina help out specifically with the training design that athletes uh, have on their plans? You know, good question. You know, Tridot is not, you know, merely a calendar. You know, the, the, the training design is, is dynamic. Um, it's constantly changing. Uh, it's optimized just for you. And, and we use data to drive that training. And so, you know, you're not going to start, uh, you know, stamina. Everyone out there, you know, is not going to start uh, adding volume exactly 12 weeks out from that Ironman, let's say. Some people might be nine. Some people might be 17 weeks out. Um, and, and as data comes in and, and as your thresholds change, uh, your race day projected times uh, in each discipline um, change. And so Tridot knows the time you're going to spend in each discipline on your specific course as well. So Tridot doesn't train you for, you know, a 112 mile bike ride. It's training you for the time that you're going to spend on your specific course in your specific conditions uh, on your race day. Um, and so if, if 10 months out, uh, your, your thresholds are a little bit lower, let's say, and you are going to spend eight hours on the bike course, um, then, then you may need a little bit more time in the stamina phase, but as you get closer to that race day, and as you get stronger, um, you then may go five and a half hours, um, you know, potentially on that race day. And so your, uh, stamina phase would start, uh, essentially later. And so everyone's different in that regard, but Tridot knows you and knows the race you're training for, and it knows the conditions and elevation and all these really cool factors of your specific race day. Um, and so as the data comes in, uh, day-to-day workouts even are, are dynamically changed uh, to, to really get you uh, steered to that race day in that safest, most efficient way possible. That's really a win-win, uh, as, as you mentioned there. So uh, as you improve your, your threshold, uh, your, your bike split, for example, is going to come down. So now... Uh, as your bike split is reduced, say from six and a half hours to six hours to five and a half hours, now you don't need to do as long of training because you don't need to be out there doing those long sessions if you're going to be on the bike for five and a half, five and a half to six hours, as opposed to six and a half to seven hours. Those long yeah, great point. Need to be as long. So now you have less training volume, but now you don't need as much ramp up time either. So now, if your longest ride is six hours instead of seven hours you don't need to start building that volume as as soon. So now you have even more time to continue to develop the threshold. So now you're getting faster and faster uh, because you don't need to focus on building that stamina as as soon. But uh, to, to flip the coin, if all you were doing was focusing on endurance and neglecting the power, neglecting focusing on that threshold, and that, that really gets into the crux of the power stamina paradox. If all you're ever doing is, is working on your endurance, that threshold is never going to come up. So those those splits are not going to come down. So you are going to need to do those longer sessions. So it really is a catch-22, but a benefit of doing that training properly And that not only are you reducing the amount of time that is necessary to train, you're also increasing the time you have to focus and build on that power, build that um, build up that speed. So you're fasting, you're, you're racing faster and, uh, training fewer hours in the, in the meantime. There are a lot of different multi-sport challenges out there that we can partake in. And some of them will take us beyond 140.6 miles involved in an Ironman. 
There are extreme triathlons. There are multi-day bike tours. There is Ultraman, Ultra Trail, 100Ks, and 100Milers. All sorts of craziness out there for athletes to try if they want to go super long. So tell me this. At what point does a race become an endurance event, and how does our training change accordingly? You know, I think we've touched on this a little bit, but but when when that pace that is endured, right, uh, is all maybe a zone two, um, you know, that that anaerobic aspect is not involved, and maybe we're closer to to a resting heart rate, let's say, um, then 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 I would argue that that is more of an endurance event. Um, rather than, you know, really seeing how fast you can test your limits uh, in that shorter amount of time with that higher intensity. So, yeah, and taking that a step further is when you cannot race that distance at a higher intensity, when you're when you're forced to 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 race at that low intensity, that's it. And and I think kind of a test would be um, what what are the intensities? What are the paces of of the elite athletes that are doing it? So um, we, we can look at uh, things like a half marathon or marathon pace versus that same athlete's 100 miler pace, whereas. Uh, those, those elite athletes are running a marathon at a low six minute, um, pace. They may be doing close to double that, uh, for, for something like a hundred mile trail race. And, and obviously they're a little different, uh, different terrain, but, um, you know, when, when that there's such a huge disparity, um, there, that really would be indicative of, of really switching over, uh, from, from that, that stamina event. From that endurance event and it even goes along with what what jeff mentioned as far as energy systems when you're uh relying primarily or or, or um on that anaerobic system and now you're relying exclusively on the aerobic system uh that would be uh, kind of one of those crossover points um there and then you know of course your, your training changes um and then not only does it require training for uh, your, your fitness, but also, um, conditioning the body. So, uh, your muscular systems, your bones, all of that have to be trained, uh, to, to support, uh, for, for those, because again, you're getting into, uh, like I mentioned earlier, climbing Everest is, is very challenging on, on your body. It's demanding on your body. Um, there's a lot of risk, uh, to, to your, your physicality in that. So, um, if you are having to do things like that, uh, really enforcing things like strength training and recovery so that your body can, can go the distance, um, you know, very, very rarely. Now there may be an injury or something like that, uh, that causes an athlete to, to DNF at, at even an Ironman distance race. But, um, it's rare that the body would, would, uh, break down, uh, in a single day event, uh, like that. So again, some of those distinctions it's energy systems, it's, it's the training, um, it's the wear and tear on the body is different in a stamina event and an endurance event. I'm going to make the argument as we close down the main set here that spectating an Ironman is more of an endurance event than racing an Ironman. Y'all's thoughts. I like that. Wow. That, that is spot on. I never thought of that. And I agree. You are not wrong. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great observation. And, uh, Man, so I, I'd say that uh, I'd say the three of us are pretty good endurance events, uh, endurance athletes, as far as that goes, because we have certainly done our 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 share fair. Uh, we've certainly done our share. I can't talk. <laughs> we've certainly done our fair share of that, John. Fair share. We have done our fair share of of time. Yeah, for us, it's a it's a seventeen plus hour day, and like I always say, we don't have the benefit of aid stations, so uh, 
it's even harder for us sometimes. Great set, everyone. Let's cool down. Back on episode 94 of the Tried Out Podcast, we talked about how to handle whatever weather race day throws your way. On that show, we referenced the 2021 edition of Ironman Coeur d'Alene. With unexpected hot conditions and very little shade on course, it was a tough Ironman for sure. We had many tri-daughters out there giving it their best shot on a challenging day, and one of the athletes that made it to the finish line was hometown tri-daught ambassador Nicole Montgomery. I asked her to come on and just share a little bit about her race and what all she did to get through the crazy heat. So, Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on, Andrew. Oh, my goodness. What an honor to share this experience. So, Nicole, first off, you know, you're actually from the Coeur d'Alene area, and you actually helped John Mayfield and myself with the planning of all of our Tried Out at the Races events while we were in town. So thanks so much for your help, you know, just in making that weekend so enjoyable for everyone from Tried Out. Um, did, did you enjoy getting to kind of host everyone for an Ironman in your hometown? Oh, you are so welcome for the help. It was such a fun experience um, just being part of the planning process. And I really started counting down the days until everyone would arrive in Coeur d'Alene. Having you and John come to town and gather our group together made this event even that much more special. It was my first time participating in a tri-dot at the race activities and meeting fellow tri-dotters, which just, it built the energy throughout the week as we all counted yeah. down the days and discussed everything, um, tri-dot and race related. What was really cool was seeing my daughter's excitement for the famous John Mayfield um, and then yourself coming to town <laughs> um, for them and for them to both be able to meet you when they were volunteering at the Ironman tent. That was, that was pretty awesome. Yep. Enjoy getting to meet them. Enjoy getting to hear, you know, uh, you know, one's a tennis player, which I played tennis. So I, I got to talk with her about tennis a little bit. The other plays water polo. Um, so it was fun. It was fun meeting them and getting to talk sports a little bit. Yeah. And actually my older daughter mentioned the tennis the other day. Um, you know, and just seeing you and John on race day, it was, it was phenomenal. Um, we had a really long wait for our swim start, um, and having both of you come over, um, and then you bring my daughters over with water. Um, that was super helpful heading out to T1 and on the run course and even on the run laps, just being able to stop for a brief moment, um, for encouraging words, um, with you guys was really helpful. You guys are amazing. Um, and just thank you for all the tri daughter support, um, race week. It was, it was a blast. So, I mean, you, I mean, just working with you on planning the Trot Out at the Races events, I mean, you, you come across just as a very well-planned individual, um, and, and you were as ready as anyone could be for the conditions on the day, knowing it was going to be such a hot day, you know, what were some of the tangible measures that you took to keep yourself moving in the heat? Oh, my biggest concern by far was nutrition, hydration, electrolyte balance. Um, I know John Mayfield said a couple of times, hydrate like, like it's your job. And it really resonated how critical it would be. And when, when I asked a friend who's a doctor about it, even he's competed in Coeur d'Alene Ironman, and he's also volunteered in the medical tent. And he said the most common reason for um, people not being able to finish was electrolyte imbalance. Um, so that really kind of sent me searching um, for what might work. And again, you can put together what seems like a rock solid plan and just pray it works because you don't, you don't know how your body's going to respond. Um, 
So I, I got lucky. I was visiting with a friend whose husband is also very knowledgeable. Um, and he had me put together a detailed nutrition plan um, with some hydration and electrolytes and calculate everything out. And again, you know, it, it could be flexible, but um, it ended up on a spreadsheet. Um, and then nice. um, even leading up to this nutrition during the long rides, it's been an ongoing struggle, which probably gave me even more concern going into this race. Um, and Elizabeth, Coach Elizabeth, has helped me a ton um, just during race rehearsal rides. Um, one interesting take James had on it, though, was instead of just having periodic time frames for um, consuming calories, um, um, hydration was ongoing, but the calorie consumption, um, it was where I would be on the course um, when I would be consuming calories. And so that was kind of a good tip and it worked well since I was familiar with the course yeah. and I was able to, you know, get my nutrition in, um, at better places on the course. Um, the only thing that really sat well with me that day were the mashed potatoes. Um, those were, <laughs> <laughs> those were magic. Um, but I also, I, I also kept my electrolytes and water separate, separate, um, to evaluate how I was feeling as I stopped at every single aid station. Um, it seemed excessive on the first loop. And even as I was riding back into town, um, you know, just thinking about how I felt, I, I felt good um, coming back into town. Um, but I knew I just needed to continue those stops um, to stay ahead of hydration and nutrition for a successful finish. Um, during the lead up to the race, I had so many questions and just kept my eyes and ears open for changes um, others were making um, on the Ironman CDA page as well as the TriDot CDA page, just invaluable information from more experienced um, people. Um, I saw this, re uh, it was called a cool running hat um, that someone had recommended. I thought it looked practical, so now I'm the proud owner of one. I wore it over my visor and kept it full of ice on the run. Um, and it's, I guess we'll call it a, a hat cape, um, kept my neck and ears covered. Um, yeah. I contemplated bringing my running best throughout the week, not really knowing if I would need it or not. Um, so just to get it ready, I put electrolyte drinks in the bottles and water in the bladder and froze them the night before the race. So they'd be hopefully still cold by the time I got to that point in the race. Um, with the old school transi transition area, I was able to have a small cooler. Um, so I tucked it under my bike. So oh, that's really smart. Yeah. Yeah. And I actually, I asked one of the Ironman staff the day before and he was like, well, it needs to be a real small cooler. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, that was okay. So as I was by, by this point, very overheated, um, riding back into T2, I almost decided I just didn't want the extra weight for the run. Um, so then I thought, well, gosh, I'm going to feel it, see how it is. And it was cold. It was wet. Um, it was just what I needed for that point in the race. And I actually ended up drinking everything in it, um, as well as refilling the bottles a few times. Um, with the temperatures that day, it, it was unbelievable how much fluid we needed to take in. Yeah. Um, and so I do have to thank you, Andrew, for taking that hat and vest right before the finish line. Absolutely. I, My pleasure. <laughs> I had no idea how gross they were until I picked up the bag from your hotel the next day. It was a total smelly swamp in that plastic bag. <laughs> yep. But no, and, and I wanted people, you know, I, I wanted to kind of do this interview with you because I wanted people to hear 
you know, we, we talk on the podcast, you know, we give tips for training in the heat, racing in the heat, racing in crazy weather. And, and, you know, we, we give as many tips as we can think of. And, and, and when you're on a day like that, where the conditions are tough, that the temps have risen, uh, it's like John always says about, you know, you got to drink like it's your job. You got to drink like it's your job. You got to manage your core temperature like it's your job. Uh, because like if, if your body starts to overheat, it's very hard to undo that. Uh, and it's very hard to make yourself continue uh, to the finish line of a, of a distance event when, once you've overheated. And so you've got to keep that that temperature down. And, and so everything you've talked, I mean, you just gave us so many things on on the bike and run that you did to stay ahead of it and and let your you know give your body a shot of getting to the finish line, um, and, and that's fantastic. Um, you know, and, and so another thing that comes with that though, you know, we, we talked on episode ninety four about lowering our expectations in hot conditions for what pace we're going to be able to hold um, and what finish time we'll be able to end up with. How much did you back off your desired pace in an attempt to get to the finish line? Oh, goodness. Um, so I knew going on, going into the race early on, it was my my sole focus was to stay healthy, stay safe, and finish my first Ironman. Um, yeah. so any, any, any pacing goals, they were pretty loosely held at that point. Um, so I backed off quite a bit since it was my first Ironman. Again, I just, I really focused on finishing, making nutrition and hydration a top priority. Um, my bike was still reasonably solid and there was definitely a difference between the first lap and the second lap when you can really see the weather heating up. Um, and then we had kind of a surprise headwind coming back into town the second lap. Um, but every single aid station, um, I took some time the first lap. I, I did notice a lot of people not stopping. It felt, felt a little lonely at some points. Yeah. Um, and then I even wondered, you know, at times is, was it really necessary? But I knew that was the plan. And it was also kind of a moment for me just to pause and to consider, you know, how am I feeling? How, you know, do I need anything else? Do I feel like I need, you know, more water, more electrolytes, um, and so when I got off my bike, I checked my watch and I was actually pretty warm. So I, I checked my watch to see if I had time to walk the whole marathon if I needed to. Um, I just felt really hot. My cold vest hadn't kicked in yet. Um, I looked at my watch and I decided, no, you know, it'd be a little bit too risky to have a whole walk plan. So the next plan was to jog four and walk one minute. And then that quickly turned into jog three, walk two which didn't exactly match up with the aid stations on the first loop. Um, but, you know, after after working through some of the hydration, I actually had a whole bunch of honey sticks tucked into my vest for instant sugar. And that, um, that definitely helped perk me up and I started to feel better. So I was able to speed my pace up a bit for the second and third loops. Um, and I was I was starting to feel much better at that time. It was definitely a time of reflection and just gratitude for all those Z2 runs um, and just being consistent with those and with pacing during training, um, even during training, practicing the walk run strategy on my training runs. Um, and sometimes it's hard to practice those because you don't yeah, feel sure the need is. to walk. <laughs> Uh -huh. Um, and so, you know, you're out there thinking, okay, you know, it's time to walk, um, when forcing yourself to, even when you don't feel like you need to walk on a training run, um, it was valuable come race day. Um, and it just helped me really get through these tough conditions. Um, during the race, when my pace would start to drop a bit, I would, you know, walk a little bit or walk up a hill, kind of regroup and then get, 
get back going at my Z2 pace. So um, that that definitely it helped a ton. All those Z2 runs, I was so thankful for those on race day. Well, it was your first Ironman finish line. It was in your hometown. Mike Riley was on the microphone, and your friends and family were in attendance. What did that finish line mean to you? Oh, it was magical. Um, my heart was so full of gratitude and appreciation for everyone who has supported me in this journey. Um, my husband's been absolutely amazing through this process. It's been it's been a goal for so long. Um, I remember when I was I was. 39 and a half weeks pregnant um, with my daughter, who's now 13, volunteering at this race and just thought, wow, I want to do that someday. You know, finishing was absolutely amazing. All day on the course, I'd worn my white running hat, white running vest, and um, I had actually taken my extra running gear off for the finish line pitcher. So my my friends and family didn't recognize me initially. Um, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> it was kind of funny after the fact. Um, I slowed down a bit, took it in, um, but also kept going since there was a little bit of a risk of crying at that point. <laughs> like, yeah. I just need to need to finish that that finish line, take it all in. Um, but hearing hearing my name called and crossing that finish line was simply the best. Well, that's it for today, folks. I want to thank John Mayfield and Jeff Rains for helping us master the stamina endurance misnomer. Shout out to TriDot Ambassador Nicole Montgomery for sharing her Ironman Coeur experience with us. Huge thanks to Delta G for partnering with us on this episode. To learn more about the performance-boosting benefits of Delta G Ketones, head to deltagketones.com and use the code TRIDOT20 for 20% off your order. Enjoying the podcast? Have any topics or questions you want to hear us talk about? Head to trotout.com slash podcast to let us know what you're thinking. We'll do it all again soon. Until then, happy training. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to subscribe and share the TriDot podcast with your triathlon crew. For more great Tri content and community, connect with us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Ready to optimize your training? Head to TriDot.com and start your free trial today. TriDot, the obvious and automatic choice for triathlon training. <laughs>